Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Breaking down the NFL, Damon Amendolaro, host of the DA Show nationally on CBS Sports Radio. You can find him at DA on CBS, at DA on CBS. On Twitter, now joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. D.A., how you been, man? Good, Bill. Good. How you guys doing? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. We are doing okay. We're all, you know, doing what everybody else is doing. We're home. We're socially distancing, and uh, we cannot wait for sports to return. Uh, Let me start here, D.A., and let me ask you this. How much do you think the draft and the coverage right now is needed via our country? Well, judging from the numbers on Sunday night for The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan Bulls documentary, boy, we are starved. I didn't think the number was going to be that huge. It ended up being about 6 million viewers on average over those two hours, which just for some context would be a really good rating for like a second round or early round of the conference finals of the NBA playoffs. So you're talking about like game one, of the Eastern Finals would get a six, and that's what it did for a documentary the other night. So that tells me that everybody is just waiting for something to sick their their teeth into, and the NFL draft will be that. It's a meaningful sports event, and even though it's not a game, I think that this country and this fan base and this sports landscape definitely needs it, which is I'm not usually a fan of Roger Goodell's decision-making, but in this case, I think he was right on by saying, full steam ahead, let's keep it up the date that it was without pushing it back. Um, I, I, I've been sitting here going through the draft for the Packers specifically, but it just kind of looking top to bottom, we know that Joe Burrow goes to Cincinnati unless Cincinnati screws this up. Uh, we kind of have seen how some of these quarterbacks may or may not fall. What I cannot explain is Tua and the popularity that he's gained and the uh, ground that he has gained since the season ended. Now, I understand he's got a lot of video out there. He's done a lot of things self-propaganda-wise the right way. But what is the fascination with Tua all of a sudden going from what could have been a second-round draft choice to now, I mean, some people are saying he's second or third overall and he's a must-have commodity and maybe he should go first. And where is that coming from? I think what ends up happening every year for the NFL draft is people want to believe. It's more exciting to believe. It's more exciting to say, yes, he's the guy, and you want to be optimistic, and you want to be sold. You know, this is the excitement time of the year for NFL fans that are not normally used to winning. So, okay, I want to believe in this guy, but I personally am really skeptical on this. I mean, obviously a hip injury is significant unto itself, And there's no way to really know how he responds to a hit. There's no way to know how he responds to dropping back to pass 30 to 35 times in the game. And there's certainly no no way to to know how his body responds to a full season of NFL contact, considering it's not just the hip. It's 
multiple surgeries on the ankles. There's a wrist injury in there as well. You could draft a kid. You could draft a guy like Tua, and maybe the hip is okay, but does that mean something else goes? And if you, if it does, you've spent draft collateral to move up to get him at two, three, four, five, something like that. And then what are you left with? I really love Tua's intangibles. I don't like at all his health record, and I just think it's too enormous of a risk unless it's a luxury pick. Like, maybe the Dolphins consider it's a luxury pick considering they have three first-rounders. But if they've got to trade away one of those first-rounders to move up, I don't like it. I just I don't think you can put so much stock into this pick with Tua that it, it can shortchange the next five years of your franchise. Uh, I am 100% in agreement. I don't know where it came from. I don't know what the fascination is, uh, but it, it's it's almost gotten to the point where it's just the two of propaganda show on many many networks now. So I just it, it's I don't understand it, but it is what it is. Hey, let me ask you this, um, because we were at Super Bowl and uh, chatting, and and it was it was a great time, and we just had started to hear about the coronavirus and COVID nineteen. The NFL seems to be somewhat bulletproof but if we are not allowing fans in the stands come september does the nfl move forward well i think they do i think because if they're if we're not allowing fans in the stands by september my guess is that there will have already taken place sporting events without fans in them i don't think that we're going to lose the entire baseball season so my guess is that at some point this summer, baseball will return. Maybe it's July, maybe it's August, maybe it's June, but we're not going to have fans there. So I think the country by September will have been somewhat used to no fans in the stands. And maybe you can't do that for college football because it's student-athletes and there's no union involved. But I think for the NFL, you can. And I, I've made this joke, but there's some type of truth in this i've watched some highlights probably many of your listeners have as well online maybe on twitter etc maybe on on tv of the taiwanese baseball league which is playing right now without fans at first i said boy this is going to be really weird then i watched it and said well this just feels like an orioles game so i do think (laughs) that you know we, we do have we do have examples of sports being played around almost no fans. I mean, you know, if you watch some of those XFL games, those were being played with only a couple of thousand fans as well. Mm-hmm. So the NFL would feel weird, but I, I do think there would be an assimilation for us as, as viewers watching games without fans. I think from a TV standpoint, producing it, directing it would start to look better and better where you would avoid shots of the stands and the fans or non-fans of the stadium. So I think if we get to September and there's no fans still allowed in stadiums, I still do think the NFL would push forward for their schedule because, Bill, you and I know most of their revenue comes from the television contract. And as long as they get their 17 weeks in in playoffs, you know, they don't really need people in the stands to make their hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, I've kind of been stating that. It would just, I, I think, as far as the atmosphere goes for football, I could see it in the NBA and I could see it in, in baseball. But for football, it's just, it would be a weird uh, dynamic as far as the feel of a game. And then the question becomes what do you do with the media? I mean, are you going to allow media or do you make it every other seat? And, 
you know, maybe radio stations who normally get five only get one or, you know, I mean, all of that starts to come into play. Or do you start to put them in different suites so everybody's separate from one another and, and stuff like that? So I, I keep waiting for the logistics to start to trickle out as to what the options may be for some of these sports leagues. We're talking with Damon Amendolara, host of the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. I, I, I want to deviate away for just a minute from uh, the NFL because you did mention the, the last dance the other night. Uh Look, it was my era. It was the 80s, and I watched the emergence of Michael Jordan uh, coming out of high school and going into college, and uh, that's, that's remember, when I really picked up with Bird and Magic and such, and then the, the skyrocketing stardom began after Michael came into the league. What do you think so far of the first two episodes of The Last Dance? Well, I thought it was going to be really hard to live up to the hype since it was a standalone documentary. There was so much attention on it, and it has to kind of fill the void of no, of no sports. And I think it did it. I mean, from a filmmaking standpoint, I thought it was exquisite. I thought that it, the pace was really good. I thought it was intriguing right off the bat, kind of setting up the, the debate and the frustration between Scotty and Michael and Phil with Jerry Krause and Jerry Reinsdorf. So I think that they just pitted it really well. And then the first two episodes draws you into this kind of be-against-the-world Michael Jordan attitude of not only taking on all comers on a bad Bulls team, but also taking on his front office who wants to sit him for most of the second season because of the broken foot. So I just thought it was really, really well made. And like you, Bill, I mean, I, I came of age as a fan in the 80s, and so watching the, the emergence of Michael reliving that through this is a really cool nostalgic trip. I think that what is also really amazing is that if you're under the age of 30, I'm not so sure you quite understand Michael Jordan. I mean, it's been a long time. It's been 22 years since that 1998 season. If you remember him with the Wizards, it's not quite the same. And so there's an entire generation now reared on LeBron James. And you just know Michael from YouTube clips and maybe some old magazine covers and seeing him courtside at Hornets games. So I'm intrigued now by this subset of sports fans that only know LeBron and know Kobe and don't really know Michael, which seems kind of foreign to me. But I'm interested in their digestion of this and what this does for, you know, that kind of conversation about where Michael, you know, resided not only in basketball history, but really in athlete history, and there's a great quote from Michael Wilbon in one of the first two episodes where he says, Michael's kind of on this page with basically Babe Ruth and Muhammad Ali, and Mm -hmm. that is really true at that time, and I don't think that that's so true anymore for the LeBron generation, and this is a reminder of that, so I found it pretty fascinating. Yeah, I, uh, I also think when you look at the drive that he has and the way he was, I don't know if this is a great documentary for LeBron. I mean, for many people that revere LeBron as this 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 guy that uh, has been the greatest player on the planet since they can remember, you go back and look at Michael and you look at the drive that he had and the willingness and, and to, to just rip your heart out versus some of the criticism LeBron has had. This this is the reason people in in that generation look at Michael Jordan and say, that's, a, that's the greatest player of all time. We've seen LeBron. And he's very, very good and unbelievably versatile, but there's a whole different gear when it comes to Michael Jordan. I think that's fair. And I think that LeBron has found this in recent years when you see his performances in the NBA Finals against all those Warriors teams and the way that he helped lead that team come back from down 3-1 in 2016 and what he was doing this year at such a late age 
know, LeBron has kicked it into a totally different gear, I think, over the last five or six seasons, seizing the moment, using his dominance, understanding basketball through all prisms. But what Michael, what you see through this, this documentary is that Michael's command of the locker room, command of leadership, command of work, command of all business all the time, command of we must win right now, command of I will not, I, I, I refuse to be anything but a winner starts in college. And it starts the moment he walks into the NBA. And LeBron's first foray into the NBA feels more like he's kind of feeling himself out. He's obviously really talented, but is it about winning? Is it about being LeBron? Is it about just kind of finding your way? And he's incredibly gifted. But we never see the true cutthroat, we must win, I will lead, get out of my way, really until maybe year two with the Heat. And so that's well into his career, almost 10 years into his career, whereas Michael had that gear at such an early age, as you mentioned, and you see it through these clips in this video, and it's, it's pretty amazing. Hey, uh, before I let you go, I, I want to ask you about the comments of, of Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers said that uh, you know he wasn't going to do one of those stay-at-home videos, we're going to get through this, we got this, because he felt that it wasn't uh, kind of his place to do it from a mansion. It's easier to say stay at home when you've got the palatial estate that he does versus what other people are actually going through. And he said some of his friends who have small businesses are really, really struggling. We have to remember that. Uh, you, I, I thought he was one of the first celebrities that really kind of gets it. Um, I, and I'd said that last night in a piece that I had did, uh, give me your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers saying, look, I, I understand it, but I'm not going to be from my mansion telling everybody to stay home. I think you're right. I think that's the sign of a guy that gets it. I know that Aaron Rodgers comes off as difficult at times and maybe overthinking things sometimes, uh, maybe unemotional or aloof or detached. But I really think that Aaron Rodgers is a deep thinker. You know, I just I had Danica Patrick on the show a couple of weeks ago, and I asked her just about that relationship and how challenging that must be. And she kind of alluded to that you have to be willing to really deeply analyze things and think about things at a different level to be with Aaron, that they do that well with one another. And I think this is an instance where the easy thing for celebrities and athletes and celebrity athletes to do is just simply, you know, do the PSA, stay at home, you know, we'll get through this together, yada, yada, yada. And Aaron doesn't take things at, at face value. Now, maybe sometimes that hurts him from a football standpoint. Maybe sports sometimes need to be two-dimensional, but he's just not two-dimensional. And I've always respected that about Aaron Rodgers. And I think in this instance, as you said, that's, that's a guy that's understanding that it's not – where he sits, that perch, is totally different than where most of us sit and the real people that are being affected right now. So I respect it. I respect anybody that can put themselves out of their own shoes and think about somebody else, and that's kind of what he said there. D.A., always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes out of your busy schedule. Uh, you know, Stay well, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, real, real soon, okay? You too. I appreciate that, Bill. Thanks so much. Thanks, pal. Talk to you later. There you go. D.A., Damon Amendolara of the D.A. Show on CBS Sports Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at D.A. on CBS, at D.A. on CBS. You can find him there. He joins us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider hiring drivers right now. You work hard, they treat you fair. 80-plus. They've been doing it. Call them. 844-PRIDE. Go to schneiderjobs.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.